Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Be seated. It's a joy to be with you here for worship this morning. I want to thank Pastor Gene for the invitation and you for your gracious hospitality and uh, having me with you here. Um, Charlie and Alice were telling me back uh, before the service started, you need to just take off your jacket. It's a little bit too much. It's, you know, air conditioning's working and all that. And I said, you know, being from the South, you've got to be careful when the preacher takes your jacket off because it means one or two things. One, either the air conditioning's broken, or two, you're going to be there a while. <clears throat> Thanks be to God, neither one's happening this morning. But I do want to thank you for, for uh, allowing me to be here and uh, share this word and this worship with you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you've promised to command peace to the nations, to establish your dominion from sea to to sea, to release prisoners from the waterless pit. Establish your dominion in our hearts. Free us by the power of your grace, your mercy, and your love. Revealed to us in this word that you have given us this morning. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do we think of the law? Now, I'm not talking about uh, state or federal laws, right? Not tax codes or, you know, when you are eligible to get your driver's license, gun legislation or... Bills about health care, immigration. I'm not talking about the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. I'm talking about God's law, the Ten Commandments, the 603 other laws that God gave to Moses and the Israelites. Do we think that this law is, is good? Is it bad? Is it outdated or irrelevant? Is this law binding? Can we say, like Paul, that I delight in the law of God in my inmost self? As Christians, do we even really know what to think about this law? 
or its place in our lives as followers of Jesus. In our second reading from the book of Romans this morning, Paul's writing to a group of Christians whom he's never met. It appears that they've contacted him with some questions from the early portions of the letter. And we don't have their original request, but in this book of Romans, what we do have are Paul's answers to this faith community. And from that, we can reconstruct some of the things we believe that this Roman church was concerned about. What does it mean to be a Gentile, a non-Jewish person who follows and believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? A man born from God into a Jewish family, into the Jewish faith, to redeem God's chosen people, Israel, as king of the Jews. They wanted to know, do they have to convert to Judaism before they can convert to Christianity? They wanted to know what role the law of God had for their lives. All this talk about law, I think one of the other things we think in terms of uh, law is, is freedom. Particularly this week after we celebrated our country's Independence Day. I'm reminded of a verse in Scripture found uh, in another of Paul's letters, the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For the purpose of freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom, independence. Freedom in God, freedom in Jesus. Paul rehearses the history of Israel for these, these Roman Gentiles, telling them that God gave the law to the Israelites to set them apart from the rest of the world, to mark them as people whom God had freed and redeemed from slavery in Egypt. God had set them free and given them this good gift of the law to help them live lives that were holy and acceptable and reflected the God of freedom. Paul says, I delight in the law of the Lord because he understood it's not a rule book meant to condemn people or to punish. But it was God's good gift and our act of worship. We know from Scripture that, that the Israelites, the tries they made to be obedient to God, to follow the law, they fell short of God's glory and sinned. They, they murdered, they stole, they, they turned to false idols. And broke God's law in more ways than we could count. The same could probably be said of us. And in fact it should be. Because as much as we try to follow God's law to be faithful in some way. And even as best we try. Sometimes we find a way to take God's good thing and turn it into something that benefits ourselves and not our neighbor. Of course for these Roman Christians, I'm sure that they looked at the people of the Jewish faith and how, uh, of course, you can see that the law had been broken. It probably led them to believe that somehow the law itself was corrupted and flawed and at its core, bad. These Roman Christians may very well have thought this themselves because immediately follow, uh, excuse me, immediately preceding the verses we have in our bulletin this morning, Paul writes this. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet. 
if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive. Sin became known to me, and I died. The very commandment that promised life, that promised freedom, proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. And through it, through God's good gift of the law, sin killed me. So the law is holy. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. In so many words, what Paul's saying here is that the law points out that there is evil in this world. Covetous greed, murderous hate, adulterous lust, and the desire to cling to idols and things and possessions above God, our liberator. The law in and of itself is good because it shows us another way, a better way. A way to be intimately close to God. A way to love our neighbors as ourselves. The law is a guide for walking daily with the God who frees us. But because the law shows us the difference between right and wrong and good and evil, sin and holiness, sin itself has crept in. It grabs hold of our attention and our desires so that we turn from God's good law. And do things that cause us to leave our neighbor hungry, homeless, consumed with war and famine. The very commandment that promised life proves to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. The commandments that show us God's love for the world also show us a darker, more evil side to our existence. Commandments themselves are good, but what they attempt to curb and reject in our lives, those things still remain, and we fall captive to the sin that surrounds us. But for freedom, Christ has set us free. That verse in Galatians has a little bit more to it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. A yoke, a burden of slavery to sin. The law is not our burden. Sin is. And Paul is encouraging these Galatian Christians, these Roman Christians, encouraging each and every one of us to stand firm. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Free from that burden of sin. It doesn't weigh us down anymore. Jesus Christ has taken it from us, has set us free so that we can live as people unburdened by a yoke. That we can live holy, acceptable lives of love and mercy and grace and service. On our country's Independence Day, we look around us at all the festivities and the parade and the pride and the fanfare. And the laws of the land show us that we are still broken here in this land of the free There are people around us who are burdened by hunger, by fear of not being able to remain in their homes, fear of being alone. 
We look at soldiers and their families who have sacrificed for our protection. And we know that they come home changed, traumatized, injured, in need of our help and our prayers and our resources. For freedom, Christ has set us free to be agents of God's freedom, to share these gifts with one another. And so we offer ourselves as Christ's body to their healing, their care, and their wholeness. We offer ourselves as Christ's body to these soldiers, to these women and men who have served and sacrificed for their families. We offer ourselves as Christ's body to anyone who has some dream of relief. The freedom we often think of in this world is is incomplete. Because it has to do more with our ability to choose for ourselves. To make decisions that directly benefit us above all others. A freedom not in Christ, but in ourselves. And so we find ourselves in this this paradox, this tension. Um, The celebrating insert calls it a catch-22 existence. The freedom we think we enjoy as something pure and innocent and liberating is really another deception of sin. Christ has freed us not so that we can ignore the men and the women and the children around us who walk on our streets hurting and in pain, but so that we can share our gifts of freedom, our resources with them. More often than not, fear keeps us from loving our neighbors as ourselves, and our desire for an increased security in the name of freedom at all costs refuses to acknowledge That there are vulnerable people around us. That we ourselves are vulnerable. As people of faith, we often ask ourselves, why? Why is there evil in this world? Why do we lie and cheat and steal our way to gain something over against our neighbor? Why can't we just be better or do better? These Roman Christians were probably asking the same question. Because Paul writes, I do not understand even my own actions. For I do not do what I want. I do the very thing that I hate. It makes no sense. Sin, this thing that we know is bad, these actions and thoughts that separate us from God and neighbor, that's not what we want to do. But we do it anyway. It makes no sense that even though we see our friends in pain, we see entire countries forced to flee from their homes or face death at the hands of an occupying force. We want there to be peace, but it makes no sense that we send young men and women to war in the name of wholeness and peace. It doesn't make sense, but we do the very things we hate and not what we want to do. This is what it means in the confession we offered at the beginning of our worship service. We confess that we are captive to sin. We cannot free ourselves. We're called in this cycle as people, as communities, as a nation, as a world, where even the things we do with the best of intentions end up harming ourselves or others. It's not enough to say to one another, Let's do better. Let's be better. 
because our world is broken and we can't fix it alone. Paul continues to say, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. If I do what I don't want to do, that is, if I follow the law of God, the law of love, this law that I know is hard, this thing that I know is God's good gift for us, then I know that that law, that commandment, that love is good. The law's goodness calls us, changes us into people who want to follow God in love, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Paul continues, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will, I can desire what is right, but I can't do it. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. Because sin has each of us in this grasp, the work we do, no matter how good, how well-intentioned, apart from Jesus Christ, it will fall short. Nothing good dwells within our flesh. But joined to Jesus, Paul can say to the church in Galatia, It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. Many of you who uh, went through confirmation in the Lutheran church probably remember memorizing Martin Luther's explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in true faith. Luther understood like Paul that our lives are so touched and bent inward by sin that we cannot by our own power Come to God or know the love of God in Christ Jesus. We cannot be free under our own power. But for freedom, Christ has set us free. And so when Paul asked the question at the end of our lesson, Who will rescue me, O wretched man that I am, from this body of death? Apart from God, no one. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The yoke, this burden of sin has been lifted. Jesus says as much in our gospel lesson today. Come to me all you that are weary and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The burden of sin is gone, but Jesus has given us another burden, another responsibility. A burden that is gentle and humble in heart. A rest for the souls of this earth. A burden that looks like a cross. Worn on our backs as a sign of our commitment 
and freedom in Jesus Christ. Our burden is that freedom, the healing of the sick and the suffering in this world, the rejection of sin, death, and the devil, the things that attempt to keep us from God and our neighbor. Come to me, Jesus says, because my yoke, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Freedom is a responsibility, but we are not alone in the task. Look around you. God has given you good friends and neighbors to carry that burden. And Jesus Christ himself remains with us to carry the load. Jesus Christ himself has rescued us from this cycle of death. And we can say at last, indeed we are free. Amen.